You're listening to the Garbage Pod. 29 and 28. I remanded in custody. There's something curious about this broadcast. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 18 of the Garbage Pod for the 25th of February 2013. With me from deepest darkest Buckinghamshire is Garbage Pod regular Adri Bullhawk Mallows. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you Mark and good evening to everyone. I'm doing very well, thank you. How about yourself sir? Yeah, it's been a busy old day but uh, I think everything is now on the level. (laughs) What we like to hear, keeping it nice and calm and sane. Brilliant. Um, so, how does it feel to have your first season of podcasts under your belt? Um, well, uh, it's been an interesting season. Um, the action itself, there's been lots of ups and downs, great action, tear-jerking moments, uh, the usual Buffalo collapse, um, but um, on the field, uh, great sign-up for one of the best players to ever play the game, Mr Ray Lewis going out with a Super Bowl win. Um, we'll talk more about that sort of thing on the podcast. Um from a podcasting point of view it's been a very much a steep learning curve um, having to uh, plan a show um, edit a show get some ideas in getting having to change co-hosts as well after about three episodes because um, EJ um, had work commitments so couldn't unfortunately stay with it so had to deal with the trauma of uh, changing staff as it were but it, it's been emotional um, luckily halfway through the season I, I saw sense and uh commissioned Spamhead Productions to edit the podcast for me which is a great weight off my shoulders and uh, they have done some fantastic editing on my show and it's really appreciated um, uh, If you hadn't already realised that Adri hosts a NFL podcast being as it's the end of season there are a few specials in the pipeline in the next couple of months aren't there? Uh, yeah there is, It's uh, although there's no actual NFL action to speak of this weekend we've just had the NFL Combine which is a chance for all the up-and-coming players out of college to show their worth and have interviews with um, all the teams that they may potentially be drafted by in April. Um, the way the American sports system works, instead of over here where it's all, you kind of you sign who you like, they have a system where you play through the college system and then the worst team in the league gets the first pick in the draft of, of all the players coming out of college the following year. So a lot of people do get drafted. Obviously, there's some that, that don't quite make it. Um, so we had the NFL Combine where they've showcased their talents this weekend. And then uh, in April, we have the actual live draft itself, which is always held in New York uh, in Radio City. So um, I should be doing a pre-draft podcast as well as a post-draft podcast just to sort of fill everyone in on my take on who I think is going to go where, who the people to look out for are and afterwards where they've been drafted to and, and the impact they'll have on those teams. That's fantastic. Right, we also have a special guest on the line from East Anglia. Uh, it's uh, fellow podcaster, jack of all trades and all-round nice bloke, Alan Taylor-Shearer. Well, after an intro like that, well, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> I'd better live up to those high standards. Well, welcome on board the Garbage Pod. Thank you very much. It's uh, a pleasure to be here within the pod. <laughs> well, we like to call it around here the podosphere. <laughs> the podosphere, yes. And a very good evening to all other 
members of the podosphere. It's lovely to be <laughs> along. Right, when I said you were a jack of all trades, I wasn't joking. Mm. Why don't you tell the lovely listener a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, I'm originally from Sheffield. I've moved around the country and the world. Um, I am the father to three sons, eldest 21, uh, youngest. God, he's going to be 14 this month. Wow. Um, married, and I've been a policeman. I've been in the RAF. Before that, I did some DJing and I did some radio, commercial radio stuff. Then got a family took a break, got a j- proper job um, with the RAF and uh, with South Yorkshire Police, left the RAF in 2010, and uh, now find myself in a lovely, lovely corner of Norfolk, um, just outside Kings Lynn, and I'm doing photography, and I'm podcasting, and I'm doing talk radio, I'm doing music radio, uh, I've got a syndicated show with a station based in Boston in Lincolnshire called A Kick Up The 80s, and that's live every Wednesday from 7 o'clock, www.endeavorradio.co.uk, for all the finest quality 80s cheese, and then on Tuesday and Thursday the main bulk of the podcasting i do i do a a live talk show uh which is archived and then that becomes the podcast and it's called 1800 online because i'm online at six o'clock and uh out it goes and i have guests in and we cover some quite serious topics i've done 28 shows since the um 21st of august last year and uh as the podcast title uh, says the talk show streams live Tuesday and Thursday at six o'clock and it covers everything from snail racing uh, that was the first topic we talked about through to the new world order aspartame the dangers of Pepsi who actually runs the world is David Dyke as crazy as he looks <laughs> and more <laughs> yes, it's, it's a pity uh, young uh, John uh, Witz, uh, who is another one of our co-hosts that we have on the show, mm. is not because he is fascinated by David Icke. <laughs> well, I always I thought, thought you were snail racing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have the World Championships here, just down the road from where I live, um, in... Uh, Congham, and uh, it's the only official snail racing world championship that's recognised by the Guinness Book of Records. Is that the, is that the event that uh, Rory McGrath and Paddy McGuinness was involved in? I, I believe so. Yeah, I think I yes. saw that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, that's that's within sort of stone throwing distance from uh, from my little bungalow um, <laughs> up here in uh, this lovely corner of Norfolk. I've not actually been to King's Lynn, but I used to spend many summers in Norfolk. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Norfolk is a, is, a, is a fantastic part of the country. And it's so flat. This is true. I mean, I come from <laughs> Sheffield, which is built on seven hills. I'm, I'm an excellent hill starter in my car. I, I'm out, totally out of practice here. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have trouble when you go back? Yes, <laughs> I have to try and I have to figure out what to do now. Thankfully, I've got one of these flashy automatic cars um, that has a hill start thing system on its automatic gearbox, so it 
kind of reminds me and goes ding ding and then starts the car for me. <laughs> Incredibly lazy. Uh, sensible, I think, is the word for having an automatic car with it'll stop. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> you you mentioned about your sons. I, I remember it makes me laugh every time I saw it. It was I think it was on social cam or something. Oh yes, it was the one where you were sat in the with in the car with your two lads. Yeah, uh, kind of playing. Um, musical roulette if you like and ah. it came on with Rick Astley <laughs> and it, it was the look on your youngest's face <laughs> I, I, I Rick rolled them <laughs> yeah, yeah we did we've been, now Freddie is my eldest he's 21 and the other the other son that was in the car that time was Connor uh, who's just about 14 and uh, there's James as well, but we call him Billy for many, many reasons, um, which I won't go into here <laughs> because there are, you know, sort of normal people listening. And uh, I've been playing sort of, you know, like three seconds of an intro of a tune, and they were mostly rock tunes because we're we're very much into rock. It's I pass that genetically on to my children, and um, and then all of a sudden I see it on the list. <laughs> never going to give you up and I hit him with it bang got him rickrolled awesome <laughs> I, I just like the way that it was currently followed by Slipknot I thought that was yeah. awesome <laughs> I suppose that, that, I mean, you see the thing is um, they love all that that sort of real metal stuff so I, I actually locked my middle son James or Billy uh, I locked him in the car today and uh, sang a Take That song at him. Oh, that's, that's um, just cruel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it was just the next one that came on the radio. Uh, it was, um, whatever I said, whatever I did, I didn't mean it. I just want you back for good. And it came on the radio, and I sang the whole song. And he said, if you don't stop, I'm getting out. So I've just hit the child lock <laughs> and tra <laughs> trapped him in the car. Now, he's sitting there with really, really long hair down his back and uh, a black leather jacket and then a sleeveless denim jacket over the top with a motorhead back piece on it and <laughs> Slipknot and Slayer and everything. And he's sitting there being forced to listen to me singing a Take That song. <laughs> That's fantastic. Ultimate <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Crichton, what are you doing, man? Oh, sir, I'm listening to the Garbage Pod. It's a podcast I found in the podosphere. Many of you know that I like to watch and often promote on Twitter and Facebook an online space-related internet show called uh, Space Vidcast. Well, recently I posted a blog entry about their latest season, and uh, to my surprise, Space Vidcast hosts Ben and Carrie-Anne Higginbotham gave the Garbage Pod a plug live on air and even put a link to us on the Space Vidcast chat room in a recent episode. Have a listen to this. Garbage Pod. Oh, thank you for the. Thank you for yeah. the shout out, Garbage Pod, uh, if I may. Uh, so, Garbage Pod basically said these guys are awesome, so lied through his teeth. And, um. I would say he's never watched the show before, but I know he has. Uh, and so that's the Garbage <laughs> Pod link. And, um, UTC, uh, is not GMT for non space people. 
UTC is not a space thing. If you open up your Windows 7 computer, go to your clock, you're going to see your offsets as minus 7 UTC. Same thing with your latest Macintosh. Uh, prior to Windows 7, it said GMT. GMT is being phased out in favor of UTC. It's not a space thing. Space thing would be SCET, or Spacecraft Event Time. Now, uh, what he was referring to is that um, I actually plugged their show by saying that it goes out at um, 9 p.m. Uh, on a Saturday, UTC. And for people not in the know, UTC was GMT for non-space people. And um, that's what he was correcting me on. Yeah, UTC is basically military time, I think. And it stands for Universal Time Coordinated. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes. (laughs) While we're on the topic of space, before we go on to the, the main part of the show... Uh, this week brings a couple of, of important space launches that I thought deserved a mention. Firstly, at lunchtime today, India's Polar Satellite Launch Vehicle, or PSLV, as everybody knows in the space in- industry, everything has an abbreviation, uh, was launched from the Satish Dhawan Space Centre in India. The payload on board the PSLV included the Saral Ocean Altimetry Satellite. The Saral is a, co- a collaboration between France and India designed um, to measure sea surface height from space. Also on board was Canada's Sapphire Space Surveillance Payload and the Neosat Space Telescope. Their mission is to search for near-Earth asteroids. The two tiny satellites are billed as the world's smallest space telescopes and are known as nanosatellites because of their size. Built in the shape of a cube, sort of like Borgish, the tiny spacecraft are less than 8 inches wide and weigh less than 15.5 pounds. Also this week, on the 1st of March at 10 past 3 p.m. GMT, or 10 past 10 a.m. EST, that's local time, SpaceX will be launching their second cargo mission to the International Space Station. The Falcon 9 rocket will launch the fourth Dragon spacecraft from the Space Launch Complex 40 at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station in Florida as part of the commercial resupply services contract with NASA. The Dragon capsule will be filled with about 1,200 pounds of supplies and experiments for the space station crew and Dragon is scheduled to return to Earth on the 25th of March for a parachute-assisted splashdown in the Pacific Ocean just off of California. It will bring back more than 2,300 pounds of experiment samples and equipment. Now, Mark, uh, Adri, uh, because I knew I was coming along to the pod this evening, um, I went hunting for something space-related so that I could sound intelligent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, in space, can people hear you scream? Apparently, according to the quote, no one can. Mm. Well, um, researchers at uh, the University of Surrey have uh, blasted a smartphone into space <laughs> to see if screams can be heard. Um, Didn't they, they need to send someone to answer it? Well, <laughs> you would have thought <laughs> so, wouldn't you? Uh, they hope to use a purpose-built app to test the theory immortalised in the film Alien that in space no one can hear you scream. The film will play out several screams submitted by people online. The test will monitor the durability of standard commercial components in space. Um, there <laughs> you, are, you, and watch them, 
You and would... so that I really sound uh, intelligent, <laughs> uh, they're going to test uh, two new inv- innovative uh, propulsion systems. Uh, the first is named Warp Drive, uh, Water <laughs> Alcohol Resisto Jet Propulsion Deorbit Reentry Velocity Experiment, and uses the ejection of water alcohol mixture to provide thrust. And uh, the second one is Pulse Plasma Thrusters, apparently. I'm just well, waiting well for the. Done, sir. That's, that's good work. I'm just yeah. waiting for the point when somebody does actually answer it, and that yeah. will completely freak them out. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Well, they've gone through to a call centre. <laughs> Can I help you? Well, in, India are pretty much in the space race these days. So, <laughs> well, yes, yeah, well, yeah. this this was launched from India. So. Uh... <laughs> I wanted to come back to that, actually. Did you say, is it the, the PLSV? The PSLV, the uh, Polar, oh, PSLV, sorry. Polar Satellite Launch Vehicle. <laughs> ah, right, okay. Um, did I hear you mention that it's going to monitor asteroids? Uh, the Canadian one is, yeah. It's, it's studying low-Earth asteroids, basically because of this new mining thing that they're bringing in, um, similar to the film Armageddon, mining asteroids. <laughs> Finding asteroids for minerals. Uh, that's and other things like hydrogen and uh, other fuels, because they, they really want to find out whether they can harness energy from these asteroids to get them further into deep space. So I was wondering if it had anything to do with, obviously, the, the latest craze that's trying to scare everyone about meteors, bearing in mind everything that happened in Russia last week. It's been on the cards for a long time. There are some more asteroids... Uh, or an asteroid field coming in this direction towards December, and apparently you'll be able to see it very clearly from the human eye. <laughs> the videos I saw on YouTube last week, it was very clear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely it was, yeah. The, the visuals and the sound effects. But there's also a joke going on about that, because they're saying that the, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse couldn't get here in time because... They're running low on horses. <laughs> <laughs> Tesco value horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> See, that horse meat was actually a good thing then, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it, it stopped the end of the world. <laughs> well, there was another thing as well, thinking about the end of the world. Do you know when uh, Pope Benedict uh, resigned? Yeah. I heard that a massive fork lightning hit the Vatican. Yeah, I saw the pictures of that. That was quite amazing. Um, now, that's a sign right there. I don't care what anyone... I, I yeah. actually, it reminds me of something I actually said to a vicar once. Um that I noticed that they had a lightning conductor on the side of the church and I said to him God actually controls everything you know the the elements and what have you and he said yes this is true and I said well why have you got a lightning conductor on the side of your building do you not trust your boss (laughs) (laughs) he did not know what to say to that one no no quite Oh, just look at this article about the smartphone, by the way. Uh, There's a little footnote at the bottom that says, the team does not expect to get the smartphone back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll invalidate the warranty on it, then. Won't it just? (laughs) Imagine that at the Genius Bar. (laughs) (laughs) So what, they're just going to take all the recordings from the app, then, it sounds like, and then... Let's have a look. Oh, here we go. At various points, the app will play videos of the screams and monitor if the phone's onboard speaker picks up the noise. Well, you see, noise is, is an energy wave, basically. So in space, you don't actually hear it. You actually feel it 
and see mm-hmm. it as a waveform. So there is possibility you will see it rather than hear it. All right. Um, there's the screams set for intergalactic broadcast include an ear an ear bursting effort from year six at Chudley C Community Primary School, and a very dramatic no from Richard Barrington. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a lovely picture of Sigourney Weaver, who I am still in love with, all these years on from 1979. Oh, wow, yeah, the, when the first Alien came out. Yeah. I'm thinking more along the lines of 1984, when she was in Ghostbusters, when she was hovering above that bed. Oh, in that translucent dress. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when you're supposed to say that you are the key master. <laughs> That's the one. No, no, but I'm a friend of his. There. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> he had a message for you. <laughs> oh, she's gorgeous. Bonjour, kittens. Laura LaRue here. Whenever I'm in the potosphere, there's only one place to be. The Garbage Pod. Let's uh, crack on with the main part of the show. I asked Adri and Alan to uh, scavenge the news pages to see what they could find in relation to some unusual news stories. Already we can see that Alan came up with a really good story there. Who wants to start the ball rolling? Uh, Well, how can I follow that? Maybe I should let the man go himself again. (laughs) Okay, here we go then. From uh, kingslynonline.com, and I mention them purely because they sponsor my show, 1800 (laughs) Online, so it would be right, really to plug the sponsors they have a fun dog show <laughs> for february the 19th frodo the cavalier king charles spaniel and he the the dog itself uh, is in charge of organizing the hunt stanton fun dog show uh, the only dog show that's organized by a dog and he'd like to invite all the doggies out there to come along so this highly intelligent canine who organises single pawed a uh, show in Hunstanton for all his mates would was uh, put out request for everybody to come along to Hunstanton on Sunday the 12th of May uh, from 11.30 and uh, <laughs> to show themselves in public. <laughs> I think uh, that's a brilliant story. I think, uh, Mark, don't you have one which would tie in nicely? And maybe maybe the dog in your story might be related to this one. Quite probably, actually. Police officers uh, jokingly filled in a witness statement in the name of a police force dog following a CPS mix-up. The Crown Prosecution Service asked for an account of a crime from PC Peach, not realising that Peach was the name of the police dog. The dog's statement read, I chase him, I bite him, bad man, he tasty, good boy, good boy, Peach. The form was signed (laughs) by a paw print and pinned up at the West Midlands police station last week. A photograph of the note then found its way onto Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) However, the CPS has since complained over the incident, taking issue uh, with the fact that its mistake has become a public joke. (laughs) goodness sake 
Uh, well, uh, along the lines of that, I mentioned earlier when I was talking about myself that I used to be a policeman. And the, the quick story I'd like to share with you now is genuine, and the names have been changed to protect the stupid. <laughs> I was just coming towards the end of a shift one evening, and I was filing my paperwork, and, and there's some of the paperwork had to be faxed down to uh, the CPS at the court in uh, the central Sheffield. And there was already an officer... Uh, stood at the fax machine so I dutifully waited until she'd finished and she put her paperwork in and dialed the number which I recognised to be the CPS number and the paper went in and as fax machines do it came out the bottom and she gathered all the paper up and popped it back into the machine dialed the number again pushed it again and I thought oh she's been asked to send two copies uh, and this went on a couple more times and I, I sort of finally intervened and, and said, is, is everything okay? Is there a problem with the facts? Because obviously I was concerned that my facts might not go through. And she said, well, I'm not sure, but it all seems to be still here. <laughs> I said, I said oh, I'm sorry. She said, well, all the stuff I'm sending is still here. It hasn't gone. That is fantastic. <laughs> I had to leave at that point and I filed my paperwork uh, at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> after being hysteric for about half yeah, well, an hour yes. afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, these are the people out there protecting our freedom. Uh, yeah. Suppos <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> well, what have you got there, Adri? I found a, uh, a couple from our fantastic favourite paper, Not The Sun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's heard of this, but uh, the headline catches the eye. It's called Spectwit Mocked, and it's... Uh, Hasten to add, the driver was fine, but you'll find out when I go through. A driver was the target of a torrent of online jokes after crashing his car into Specsavers. <laughs> a passerby uh, uh. tweeted pictures of the accident with the optician's TV ad catchphrase, should have gone to Specsavers. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds more tweeted the same joke. Uh, apparently the shop window in Seven Oaks, Kent, was cracked in the smash yesterday lunchtime, but police said the driver was not hurt. Oh, bless. That, well, that's good. Then. I'd love to see that. I'm going to go out and hunt that picture down because <laughs> that, that's fantastic. It actually reminds me, uh, a few years ago um, on New Year's in Aylesbury, there used to be a, um, well, it's now the car phone warehouse, but it used to be an AA insurance building. Mm. And it's kind of like a, a T-junction, and the building is in front of the T-junction there. And a taxi was careering down the road towards the T-junction, and its brakes failed and <gasps> went straight through the AA insurance building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, irony. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, that's the, the true definition of it, isn't it? I have another here, uh, which is also animal-related. Um, uh, in Florida, uh, describing it as a real close call, uh, a local seagull suffering from an acute case of diarrhoea told reporters that he was barely able to make it to a crowded public beach in time to relieve himself Monday. Quote, Oh man, I really had to go and there wasn't a sunbather or occupied picnic table in sight. I honestly didn't know if I could hold it said the grey and white seabird who reportedly uttered a deep contented sigh of relief upon finally reaching a densely packed group of beachgoers and releasing a voluminous torrent of loose 
uh, fetal matter. <laughs> uh, the last thing you want is to just go right over the water on a, or a bare stretch of sand, but thankfully I spotted a few families without beach umbrellas and was able to make it just long, hold it just long enough. Uh, must have been some bad parking lot hot dog I ate. At press time, the seagull reportedly felt another oncoming urgent bowel movement and was rapidly racing towards the nearest convertible. <laughs> see i have to laugh but um, i've actually been the victim of a seagull attack like that <laughs> um, it's supposed to be good luck isn't it well you don't think that at the time this was new year's eve sort of 2011 i was in new york and uh me and uh my friends were just down near the brooklyn bridge and uh we we're just sort of about to go and walk over it sort of leave the park there and uh, i kind of felt something on my head and i was like what's that didn't know whether it was blood or whatever like rain put my hand on my head and I was like ah oh, crap quite literally <laughs> <laughs> actually thinking on um, things that uh, are supposed to be uh, good luck we were in some caves down in it was in Ibiza and um, there was these stalactites and apparently if the water from the stalactites lands on you it's supposed to be a year good luck if it lands uh-huh. on your nose it's supposed to be five years good luck right well it landed on my watch and it stopped <laughs> <laughs> so what do you say to that <laughs> well um uh the water resistant uh, properties uh, must have been defeated by the high strength of the, of the <laughs> salt. Is it salts and stuff inside yeah, the water? There, yeah. yeah. See, I'm being all sciencey, see, and I'm showing my intelligence again. <laughs> yeah, well played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that, that's that's great with us because we're very easily impressed. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I found another one, which is a bit of a strange one for all those. Uh, comic book fans out there soon your dreams may become a reality again another nugget from the sun the mod say x-men will be a reality oh uh, i'm not sure if i believe them because in the article they've got their math slightly wrong which you'll you'll find out just now apparently superhumans like the x-men will exist by 2045 defense boffins have claimed they say genetic experiments will create a superior race within 30 years a little bit longer to 2045 but you know mm. we won't go there mm. mutant humans like wolverine storm and rogue from the x-men movies are possible a ministry of defense think tank was told a two-day summit to predict the future reported advancements in gene technology could lead to a class of genetically superior humans by 2045 yeah you wait till that goes wrong oh yeah exactly. Yeah, big time. It'd be more like the fly than X Men. I feel. Yeah. Now this is the kind of stuff that I. This is the kind of stuff that uh, is uh, food for my for my talk show, um, messing with genetics and all that kind of stuff and the new world order. But uh, yeah, I uh, my my previous military experiences sort of. I've I've seen how the uh, technical advancements of jumped forward by you know leaps and bounds they really have yeah the genetic stuff didn't didn't somebody try making a load of genetically per- perfect people sort of in the last century sort of in the 30s and 40s yeah i think when someone was doing their european tour wasn't it yes yeah, yeah i think that's right yeah <laughs> yeah dangerous stuff <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, i don't know if you've seen the new anti-smoking campaign where oh. it talks about uh, every time you take a cigarette, you become mutated. Yes. 
and I thought this is not a good advert because kids are going to be watching this thinking hey I can become a mutant I'll be an X-Man <laughs> no no, oh, no. <laughs> it's not good no don't give them those ideas <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah that's not the reason behind the advert <laughs> it's not cool to smoke oh, <laughs> no it's dear. not it's, it's not, well, it's not because, in theory, I mean, I always, my, both my parents smoked, and um, it wasn't the fact that it was dangerous to your health in that respect that I didn't smoke. It was the fact that you were setting light to some leaves and sticking them in your mouth mm. um, came across as being a bit daft. <laughs> yeah. And you're always being told to not play with matches, yet you're holding one, they're holding one in front of their faces, <laughs> und, under their nose, and in my case, very close to my most precious possession, uh, which is the tash. Yeah. Ah, I, right. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I am but a life support system and uh, and mode of transport for the tash. Really? It's been, it's been with me since I was 14. Um, it latched onto me. You, you know they say that the, the pet chooses the owner, well, the tash... Choose, chose me. Um, now, did you? What did you? Gone for, then? Well, at the moment, he's he's a kind of. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, but he's kind of seventies porn star oh at the moment. Um, so right. let me guess. Next, the next fancy dress party, you'll be going as one of the village people. I've <laughs> uh, been there, done that. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> all you needed was the outfit because you already had the tash. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think I've, I think I've still got my my leather hat somewhere. <laughs> Brilliant. Because <laughs> I don't. Did you grow yours for the same reason that I did to try and get served in pubs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also Freddie Mercury had one, so it just seemed that I should I didn't realise that what he was actually doing was um, fitting in with the, all the other uh, clones who were around at that point all looking exactly the same uh, all going to the same bars with the same intentions oh the blue oyster um, mm, oh. I, I didn't realise that at the time <laughs> you see <laughs> I, um, it reminds me of when I went out with a friend of mine who I didn't know was gay at the time and we went out for a drink and um I was very naive about different pubs, shall I say, mm. and we got to the front door of a pub in in Aylesbury, which used to be called the, I don't think it's still there now, the, the Saracen's Head. Uh, and let me guess, you, you saw the rainbow and thought it was a pretty feature. <laughs> <laughs> well, he stopped at the door and said, you have to be pretty broad-minded to come in here. And I just let that blow straight over my head and went in, and it, very quickly I realised what kind of it was ah. so um which i've got no problem with but um i didn't yeah. realize and that was when he sort of came out if you like right <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it was a good night out in there actually i went there for one of the guys i worked with it was his birthday and uh, he obviously wanted to go in there and um, a group of us all went in there with him and actually it was one of the best nights out i've had to be fair it was just so relaxed no hassle everyone's just there yeah. to have a good time well they've, yeah. they've, they've had a quite a a, a range of different gay bars in 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 Aylesbury actually because they used to have a a pub called the Windmill, which was a gay bar, which then closed down and reopened as a non-alcoholic cocktail lounge. Wow! Uh, which didn't last very long and now is a vet's. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Whereabouts is that? 
Hamden's in. Um, Cam- oh, Hamden's! Yeah. No way, that's in, been there years. Yeah. So. Uh, um, a lot of people used to get barred from this non-alcoholic cocktail lounge by saying, "Didn't this used to be a gay bar?" <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> put the cat down. <laughs> it's not that type of establishment anymore. <laughs> but. <there's, laughs> Oh, sorry, I was just thinking, do they still treat hamsters? But... <laughs> the the other pub that is now uh, a gay bar there uh, is is called the I think it's called the the Mango now. Uh, Mangoes isn't uh, a gay. I don't think it's a gay bar. No, it's where all what, the youngins go these days. Then why has the sign outside got a rainbow on it? Because <laughs> they like pretty colours and they don't know what it means. <laughs> is is it uh, is it like a maybe a. a uh, an 80s children's programmed themed bar. Now, if it was, I'd be in uh, there all the time. They're looking for Bungle. Yes. <laughs> uh, 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 Zippy. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, it was always the fun one, remember? <laughs> uh, I, I think um, we can't do this without letting uh, my good friend here say a few words. Oh, dear. You are naughty. That's my <laughs> talking George. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody should have a talking George. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I had a talking Zippy, but I gave him away. <laughs> Why? How, how that could was you? That stupid. I know, it was silly, um, but she was a lovely girl, um, uh, so I put a little note in his mouth. For I see. Gave uh, it was a love token. That That's fine. <laughs> I Zippy would like that, yes. <laughs> Dear old Roy Skelton. <laughs> That was a great impression. Oh, ah, thank you very much. <laughs> see, see, if I'm not careful, he becomes Tommy kind Cooper. Of, uh, Tommy Cooper, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I'm allowed to do a couple of impressions, um, if that's all right with you, Mark. Sure, uh, sure, no um, worries. I think it's appropriate, and I've had this one uh, approved, if you like, by its original creator, Sirs. Uh, it's lovely to to be here in the pot again um but i do notice uh, there's a slight swift uh, whiff of um, of cory source uh has mr lister been in here <laughs> you see but i have to be careful because if i carry that on too long it becomes that brannigan and i go looking for the sweet silvery flaky gorgeousness that is Leela in velour. Ah. Fantastic. Oh, you never know you never know who's gonna pop up next. There's there's enough people in here already. <laughs> is that what you said? <laughs> hey! On the uh, moustache front, Mark, I think, do you have uh, another strange one for us there? Ah, oh, yes, indeed. Um, they've recently had some local elections in uh, India, in, um, and I don't know if I'm actually pronouncing this correctly, in the state of Meghalala. <laughs> M-E-G-H-A-L-A-Y-A. Mm. Go with your first pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's in northwest India. <laughs> A politician by the name of Adolf Hitler... What <laughs> is competing in the elect or was competing in the elections? Adolf Lou Hitler Marak said his parents did not know the background of his name. Really? And, what? <laughs> and that he has nothing in common with the Nazi Adolf Hitler. Maybe my parents like the name, but I am not a dictator. 
<laughs> oh, come on. They didn't okay. know. <laughs> There's a joke there about living in a cave. <laughs> but get this, get this. this. <laughs> Among the 345 candidates running for the State Assembly are Frankenstein Momin, Billy Kid Sangma, Field Marshal Mang Fang. Let's just go back to Billy Marshall Sang what? <laughs> Billy Kid Sangma. <laughs> ah, and and Romeo Rani. <laughs> and then you've got some like Kennedy Morak, Kennedy Cornelius Karim, and Jahim Carter Sangma <laughs> are hoping that their electoral success of their namesake American presidents. <laughs> Oh, oh okay. wow! I, I think I think there's a there's an American who's who's actually taken on um, English uh, or, or British sov- uh, nationality, and he's standing as well. And his name is Chim Chimery Chim Chimery Chim Chim Chiru. <laughs> <laughs> are, are they going to be quite big polling cards? I'd imagine with 345 <laughs> candidates. Goodness I mean, the, the 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 election was on on Saturday. And they'll probably get round to finishing it this time next year. The Garbage Pod. Your input is our output. I found another completely unrelated to Adolf news story. It's kind of on a a common theme these days about alternative fuels. Ah. There's going to be a pilot who's going to attempt the first flight powered only by household plastic waste. He's going to be attempting a ten and a half thousand mile trip from Sydney to London using a fuel that has never been tested in the air and it's produced entirely from plastic waste. Mr. Rosell will be flying a single engine Cessna 172 about 1500 miles a day at a speed of about 115 mile an hour. That's um, pretty impressive if you can do it but yeah, some um, Something tells me it might annoy some of the fuel companies. Um, well, quite possibly, but it, it's saying here his flight will be powered by five tonnes of discarded packaging and waste collected from rubbish dumps uh, and using a pioneering technique uh, melted down into thousand gallons of aviation-grade diesel. He uh, plans to leave Sydney in July, flying over Asia, the Middle East and then Europe and hoping to arrive in London six days later. That's awesome. Um, what are our thoughts on that as, a, as an alternative fuel? Well, yeah, because plastic is basically oil, isn't it? So yeah. it's really just returning it to its original, yeah. or close to its original state. Yeah, that's, yeah that's exactly what it said, and it's predominantly petroleum, so that's mm. why they're... Well, that seems a perfectly good use of um, something that that takes thousands of years to, to degrade and would otherwise end up being made into something useful, like a phone or something. It's a kind of like a, a very loose term of the perpetual motion when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, that's true. And what about these magnet engines as well, these permanent magnet engines? Have you seen those? Yeah, um, I, I saw a piece about it on some Australian news programme. I think some guy in Australia came up with the concept... Yes, there's a there's a an Australian version I've seen um, with um, three rotors inside a, a, a stator um, and these permanent magnets. He's got he's he's spent years working out the angle that they all have to be at, and it, I've seen it working. And then you know you sort of well I say I've seen it working. I've seen a YouTube video of it working, and basically it closes these two clamps and the wheel starts spinning and it's spinning. And as long as the clamps are closed, which in, you know sort of 
completes the circle, if you like. The, the thing spins and it's connected to a generator and it makes power. There's a small tabletop version that uh, a Mexican has put together, which is basically along the same lines, but instead of the rotors clamping together, the sorry, the, the, the stators clamping together, the stators are on slide are on slide poles and he basically slides them across it completes it makes the the circle complete and it, the thing spins and generates electricity and there's a eastern european chap who took this you know one step further and has basically enclosed the the spinning uh, rotor inside what looks like a um, washing machine drum so if you can visualize a washing machine drum and then sticking out the front is a is a spindle is an axle and he, he uses a hammer to to sort of knock something into place at the back and the thing starts spinning and it gets up to really high speed it's many many thousands of rpms and it generates electricity until he sort of pulls it apart and otherwise it just sits there spinning Wow. without any other external force and they they all sort of demonstrate the fact that they've not got it connected to anything by lifting it up and sort of holding it and you know and then stripping it down and showing that there's no batteries inside and all that kind of stuff it's um that's phenomenal it's, it's yeah. quite amazing but as i say it, some of these things do upset the the fossil fuel people uh, yes. a little bit and they try and pay people to um disappear as it were yes yes i mean there's there's lo- i mean there's loads of these things on on youtube you know sort of uh, a guy designed back in the 70s designed a hydrogen car it, or it just ran on water or something and I, I didn't i didn't look at the whole details of it but he disappeared well there's this i think it's called the saber engine right uh, and basically it's a plane that can take off normally like a normal plane and mm-hmm. then go into deep space it's it'll just fly like a normal plane but in space and the guy is english who uh, actually d- has designed this gosh and um he's been working on it for 40 50 years i mean he's, he's 80 odd i think right um and he's trying to get someone to take it on before he's too old to um, do anything with well there's so... a project for us chaps because <laughs> 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 right now is the time for independent um, space related companies because y- your government funded space programs are inefficiently managed shall i say <laughs> i love the way you said that inefficiently managed <laughs> <laughs> so now you've got these what they call new space companies involved uh, like your spacex who are the the big boys at the moment there are lots of other companies out there but the guy who owns and runs spacex has got his fingers in so many pies i mean he's the guy who designed the the tesla car the electric car yes and he also invented paypal <laughs> Oh, that's clever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Elon Musk, his name is, a South African fella. And right. um, he's got so much going on inside that head of his. Uh, well, so I've actually just found, it looks like it's an, an old article, actually, going back to uh, November 28th last year. But there's an actual, an actual article online on the National Post about the uh, the Skylon space plane. That's, that is the, the Skylon. That is using Sabre, Sabre engine. engines, yes. 
Uh, does it actually mention the uh, the guy who invented? Uh, all we've got here, Chief Executive Tim Hayter. That, that not sounds like the guy yes um, and it just sort of starts off with a small British company with the dream of building a reusable space plane as you're saying about the standing start is saying it produces thrust by burning hydrogen and oxygen but inside the atmosphere it would take that oxygen from the air reducing the amount it would have to carry in fuel tanks for rocket mode actually if you look up um, Skylon or the Sabre engine on on YouTube. There are some quite good uh, documentaries about it on there. There's a few YouTube clips on here, actually. Um, I'll have to send you the link, mate, because it's something that um, I think the uh, the listeners might be quite interested in so they can have a look and a read. Yeah, that, um, that'll be something I can put in the show notes. Yeah, that'll definitely. Yeah. Wow. It's a very, very clever engine. But yes, oh, to, some, to somebody like me who's, who's not sort of uh, engineering-related, I've always thought, you know, well, if it uses so much energy to get in a rocket and go vertical straight up, mm-hmm. why not get in a plane and just keep flying up and looping up? Well, is that not that is feasible? They have actually developed an idea where the the idea is to strap a rocket to a balloon and get the balloon to go up to the atmosphere that you need it at, mm. and then just drop the rocket. The rocket cuts in and goes the rest of the way. You hope the rocket cuts in. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit like um, the... Uh, I've forgotten his name now. The um, the Austrian fellow that went up in the... In the oh, book. Felix Baumgartner. Baumgartner, is it? Something like that, anyway. Right. <laughs> Felix. <Yeah. laughs> He's the bloke that jumped out of the balloon, isn't he? Yeah, and everyone's yeah, saying he went from the... Wings. He went from the edge of space, but he actually didn't. Oh, controversial. Why didn't he? Well, he went from 128,000 feet. Mm. The edge of space is 264,000 feet. Oh. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to go from space because upon re-entering the Earth's atmosphere, <laughs> he would have just up. He would have just blown up, yeah. But yeah, he would have got crispy. But everyone yeah. was saying, oh, he went from the edge of space, and then the space contingency are going, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was still inside the atmosphere, which is the whole reason why he did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right, Plus, right. if he was in space, would he necessarily have the gravity to pull him in back into the Earth? That's right. And wouldn't he have to be at a certain angle, otherwise he would just bounce off and deflect back into space and all sorts of stuff like that? But the thing that upset me about him is he did this press conference where he was slagging off, basically, the space... Uh, industry saying it's not necessarily necessary we don't need it we don't need anything that they do and i thought did you see all the stuff that you went up to do <laughs> <in>? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Did you how do you how do you think NASA that stuff was space, tested yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff that you use wouldn't be there unless there was a space sort of industry pretty much <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> It's like, but it was a remarkable achievement. To be fair, he made. Oh yeah, he's, <laughs> he's done something that no one else has ever done. So uh, I'm not. I'm not <clears throat> saying he didn't do anything impressive because he did something extraordinary. But how it was um, put across in the press, yeah. uh, mm. he didn't do what he said on the tin. Right. <laughs> no, either of you see the documentary on it because there was um, there was the old. Uh, the old boy, the American fighter pilot, who yeah, he's the guy who did it from it, a smaller distance. He did it from about 108, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. But and, he uh, he went up in an open basket, didn't he? Uh, it was an open gondola he went up in. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, yeah. And um, I remember him saying that in that program, he was saying that um, 
he didn't let anyone know, but he actually had a tiny hole in his spacesuit by his hand, and he didn't want to say anything because obviously. <laughs> Put your finger uh, they over it, and be fine. it. But he could just feel his hand swelling and swelling as as he got higher and higher in uh, altitude and still Ooh. managed to A, survive, and B, get back down to Earth. You can, it's some of these stories that you hear of uh, from, from NASA when they were designing uh, the different, like the Saturn V rockets that went up to the moon and uh, all that kind of stuff. And you think to yourself, we'd never be able to do it now because of health and safety. Uh, exactly. They didn't bother with half of it then. Just <laughs> like, suck it and see, you know. It's... <laughs> That kind of—that's when men were men, women were men as well. <laughs> I, in that case, I, I think I prefer this era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. You're listening to the Garbage Pod, where your input is our output. I've got a story here. BBC Six Music has apologised after a blunder concerning a news report about Oscar Pistorius. The station played. Jimi Hendrix's Hey Joe after the news report about the Paralympian's ongoing trial into the death of his girlfriend Reva Steenkamp um, oh. obviously you, you know the song and you know the lyrics yeah. <laughs> um, for people who, who don't know the lyrics to the song they go um, Hey Joe where are you going with that gun in your hand I'm going to shoot my old lady you know I caught her messing around with another man um, <laughs> prophetic DJ uh, Namone Metaxas apologised to the listeners about halfway through the record when she realised what it was and turned it off instantly. <laughs> For goodness sake. But you see, oh, the problem is with that, after the news on, on the BBC, the songs are completely randomly generated. <laughs> Yeah. So you don't know what's actually coming up um, because usually there's no one around because when the news is on there, they, they use it as a coffee break, toilet break, whatever. That's right. Um, so quite unfortunate. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, when you first uh, told me that story, I thought it was going to be uh, something I've seen a picture of, actually a poster of, where it says, here come the hot step of murderer. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lyrical gangster. Murderer. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Officer. Murderer. Don't love me like that. Or something along those lines. I haven't heard that yeah, for ages. <laughs> What's that? Izzy, Izzy Kamosi, wasn't it? I think. Did that. Um, digging into my musical archive, I'm going to say, I think so. Um... <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good with things like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, unsuspecting movie stars follow fake red carpet into the back of a kidnapper's van. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Los Angeles police. can't be true. Los Angeles police confirmed that Denzel Washington, Naomi Watts, Jack, uh, Jacqueline Phoenix, and nearly a dozen other top name actors had gone missing ahead of Sunday's Academy Awards after following a fake red carpet laid outside the Dolby Theatre that reportedly led into the back of an idling windowless van. <laughs> it appears that the kidnap <laughs> it appears that the kidnappers were able to use an array of camera flashes, canned fan screaming, and an imposter catty uh, fashion reporter to lure these unsuspecting movie stars right into their grasp. Now, I think that story is made for the phrase, only in America. Yes, definitely. <laughs> You've got to say that with the right voice there, haven't you? Only in America. There we go. Voice over man in the garbage pod. One man, one pod, <laughs> etc. I miss those trailers. 
In a time, in a land, there was one man, one boy, one chance, etc. <laughs> yeah, my, my my voiceover man has has been used um, for um, for actual sort of jingles and stuff that I've done for people in the past. It's pretty. And, uh, it, it wears on the throat after a while, but I can usually. Usually keep that going for a yeah, while. Yeah, occasionally I used to try and do the the uh, the claw from uh, the Inspector Gadget program, <laughs> and that used to kill my throat doing that. Yes, yeah. Next time, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Next time, Gadget, <laughs> I'll get you. <laughs> now that that comes from right down deep in the chest. That. Oh yeah, it sounds it. But uh, yeah, my my impressions are not. Fantastic, and, and and most of them end up being like um, Wookie Bird, you know that kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> Free people of America, or is it for um, <laughs> Nancy? Nancy, I've got a two buttons here. One's nurse, one's nuke. What do I push? <laughs> then, now, now the problem I have is if I'm doing an impression, it's generally an impression of an impressionist doing an impression. No, yeah, you were doing Chris Barry there. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If, you see, I don't know if you know that, Adri, but the 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 impressions in Spit and Image, the majority of them were well, a lot of them were done by Chris Barry. Oh, fantastic! And who, who's the other one that used to? I know Ted Robbins used to do some of the voices on there. I'm trying to remember who else did the, did I the. I think voices. Harry Enfield did some. Yes, he? he did, didn't he? Yeah. And. Um, Alan Partridge from uh, from around here in Norwich, uh, in Norfolk. Yes. Aha! <laughs> North Nor- Norfolk FM. <laughs> Mid-morning matters. <laughs> Actually, he's, um, he's up in Cromer at the minute doing some filming for an Alan Partridge film, or it's another series or something. Yeah, they are apparently filming a, an Alan Partridge movie, so uh, that'll be Good interesting. Lord. Also... Let's talk about Alan. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, how often do you do that, Alan? Um, <laughs> can, 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 can we skip over that, please? <laughs> For copyright reasons, obviously. Because <laughs> apparently they're going to make a um, Mrs. Brown movie as well. And I don't think that would work, because you'd need to have the... The cameraman and everything, because that's yeah. all part of the uh, the joke, if you like. Now you see, when when I first saw that, um, I didn't watch. Or did I, no, I didn't watch them live. I sort of saw them on iPlayer after my wife had been raving about them, and I, I sat and watched them, and I was like, are, are these just sort of the outtakes? Because I can, and I could sort of see the studio, and you could see all the, you could see the join effectively, which you're not supposed to see out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think. And, and then I re- then I watched the second one, and it was the same. And I sort of said, "Is it supposed to be like this?" Or and apparently, yeah, that's how they that's how they made it. I, so. I think it's quite funny though. Well, you don't get any extras on the DVD because it's all in the program. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to the Garbage Pod with Mark Taylor and Adri Bullhawk Mallows. There's only one place to be. The Garbage Pod. The 
Oxfordshire town of Chipping Norton have opened a yacht club. Undeterred by its landlocked position, the locals have shown a surprising interest with more than a hundred sailing enthusiasts keen to join, despite the fact that the town is over a hundred miles from the nearest coastline and 700 feet above sea level, and they do not have any river frontage either. Good Lord. Trevor Taylor, whose idea it was no relation, uh, said there are many people in the town and neighbouring countryside who are keen sailors and want somewhere where they can socialise without having to journey to the nearest bit of salty water. Doesn't that defeat the object? <laughs> we're on we're on a hill, so this is the last place you expect to find a yacht club, unless the polar ice caps melt and Chipping Norton's Market Square becomes a harbour. Called up. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for Luton on sea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Coming in sooner than they know it. <laughs> <laughs> You're swimming past all the shopping trolleys. It'll be lovely. Uh, Mr. Taylor added, until now, there's been no local yacht club. Really? Where <laughs> those interested in boating can meet up without having to embark on a two-hour journey to the Solent or longer to the east or the west coast ports. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we like are truly an eccentric bunch, aren't we? <laughs> yes. It's like having a skiing club in the Caribbean, isn't it? But one thing I will say about Chipping Norton, it's the hometown of David Cameron, and it's where Jeremy Clarkson lived. So take it as you will. Oh, dear. Yeah, <laughs> in uh, Costa in Aylesbury on uh, Saturday. Really? Yeah. Yeah, apparently he goes in there quite often, but... Um, to be fair, my friend who works in there, he doesn't make a big deal of it because he's in there with his daughter. It's kind of like that's their time. Yeah. Don't hassle them. Just treat them as a normal customer. Well, you know, I'm in peace. I've got a, a story uh, a bit like that where um, my mum and dad used to go to the Victoria Club in uh, Aylesbury, which is kind of like a working man's club. And uh, my mum was getting out of the car and she heard someone swear and she thought it was my dad so she turned round to have a go at him and then realised she was having a go at David Jason fantastic <laughs> because he lives uh, locally to Aylesbury and um, David Jason turned round to my mum and said sorry I am a plonker aren't I brilliant oh, how long has he been waiting to use that line <laughs> <laughs> about as long as he's been waiting to reuse that Batman costume yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have another little story here which is um, once again from uh, www.kingslynonline.com who sponsor 1800 online um uh, and I don't want you to think that this is purely a, a, a dog-based website, um, but the <laughs> but reported on February the sixth of this year, uh, the most missed dog in the UK is somewhere in Norfolk. The Norfolk-bred dog was featured on the Alan Titchmarsh show, so it's flying high straight away, and uh, and its news of its disappearance is spreading, but more help is needed. Can you help find this missing Nova Scotia duck? Tolling Retriever Dog. Harvey was bred in Norfolk and lives in Norfolk, so he needs local people to help bring him home. Harvey could be anywhere in the Norfolk, but in Norfolk by now. And there's a video on YouTube showing Harvey, and um, 
and he needs to be re- reunited with his distraught owners and lonely sister. But it, it's the fact that he's a Nova Scotia duck trolling retriever dog. Now that's a, a name to um, mm. remember. Duck tolling. Whatever duck tolling is. They charge the ducks for going past. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he has a high-vis vest and a limp? <laughs> Oi, come here! Oi, come on now. You're not going past here without paying. <laughs> Barry is staying down until you've coughed up, kid. Yeah, they're not paying their bill. Oh, oh, oh what? Oh, dear. On that, I'm going to have to move on and say, does everyone remember the uh, the cat that got arrested for the break-in at the Brazilian prison? <laughs> Countering the dog story with a cat story. No. <laughs> Tell Did you not more. hear about this? No. It's going back to January of this year. A cat was detained in the grounds of a jail in Brazil with contraband goods for prisoners strapped to its body with tape. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> the white cat was apprehended crossing the main prison gate. <laughs> See, if that had been a... <laughs> dead um, giveaway, it was a white cat. They saw it coming a mile away. If it had been a different colour cat, say so maybe... It's a, white, it's a white and black cat looking at the pictures. Oh, right. If it had been like a and, uh, turtle shell cat, it might be more camouflaged. It could have snuck the, in a bit more. The incident took place at a jail in uh, Arapiraca City, uh, 250 kilometres southwest of uh, Rysif in Alagoa State, apparently. Um, and looking at the items it's got uh, pictures of, uh, the cat had a mobile phone and earphones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I'm just getting images of one of these cat videos on YouTube now. This is phenomenal. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the link so you can see the pictures of uh, what was actually taken from the cat. Um, <laughs> it, it's pretty comical. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't see properly. It looks like microchips, but it, at, at first glance, it looked like dog tags, which I found quite ironic. But um, yeah, it's got a, a couple of uh, you know the blades you put in a um, in a, uh, a power screwdriver or power that sort of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. got a couple of those. Yeah. I thought you were going to say there was going to be some some something like some catnip and some. <laughs> <laughs> he was breaking. <laughs> he was breaking into a cattery. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets on the other side with a bird, bird in its mouth. Yeah, it gets on the other side with a bird in its mouth, drops it on the floor, and goes, "Hey, there you go. <laughs> Look what I brought you." Jealous. Yeah, <laughs> Look what I can do. <laughs> Takes it back in his mouth and strolls back off across the gate. <laughs> But oh yes, yeah, so I, I can't believe you hadn't heard of that one, Alan. I remember it making yeah. the news as well. It was on. It definitely made the national news. I must have missed that um, because um, I was I was I was possibly uh, drunk at the time, as were thirty nuns. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> a pub owner was fined after Irish nuns are caught drinking illegally. Uh, an Irish publican has been prosecuted after police found dozens of nuns drinking illegally several hours past closing time on his premises. <laughs> uh, he was fined €700, Euros, which is £605, uh, after his pub was raided twice in one night. <laughs> and they were hauling out nuns, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, so, sorry, <laughs> sorry, officer. Um, I thought they were penguins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a story here. There's a, a new Twitter service which will allow 
users to carry on their stream of consciousness in 140 characters or less from beyond the grave. Whoa. Lives On will analyse users' Twitter feeds and learn their likes, tastes and syntax to continue posting similar messages and updates and links after they've passed. The service, due to launch in March, has the tagline, When your heart stops beating, you'll keep tweeting. (laughs) Wow. I think I'm going to have to sign up with that. Lives On is being developed by London-based advertising agency Lean Mean Fighting Machine, and Dave Bedwood, uh, a creative partner at the firm, told The Guardian he was ready for negative response for this service. It divides people on a gut level before you even get to the philosophical or ethical arguments, he said. (laughs) It often offends some and delights others. Imagine if people started to see a legitimate but small way to live on cryogenics cost a fortune this is free and i bet it would work better than a frozen head (laughs) (laughs) what an excellent idea although it's actually prompted me to look at my own twitter feed you know and think maybe maybe it could work for me It says, although it is similar to the plot of a recent episode of Channel 4's sitcom Black Mirror, in which a woman uses the social media to talk to her dead boyfriend, the developers claim they came up with a service in 2011. When Black Mirror themes were published in the press, it seemed the perfect time to get something up, but we were generally doing the experiment before the show. Lives On uses artificial intelligence um, to analyse the user's online behaviour and their style of writing. This allows it to scour the internet to post the kind of links its user would like, as well as mimic their manner of communicating and favourite. Uh, appropriate tweets to create a personal digital afterlife an early post on the lives on twitter feed pronounces god doesn't exist servers do sign up for the real afterlife that's fantastic (laughs) i could keep twomping from beyond the grave It's been, uh, I said it prompted me to look at my Twitter feed. Uh, I've been on Twitter since January 2009, and I currently stand at 61,457 tweets. Blimey. Wow. Is, that a, is that a lot? <laughs> uh, yes and no, because I've seen people with that amount that haven't been on it as long as you. Ah. Yeah, okay. but they're, they're people that go, this is my foot. Oh, Adrian, you do that. <laughs> Funnily, so do I on Facebook. But uh, do, do you, do you gentlemen know of the concept of twumping? I mentioned it. Is that basically Twitter humping? No, <laughs> no. It, it, it's tweeting from the toilet. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. We well, um, I, yes. in which case, I'm a fan. <laughs> ah, good, good. A fellow twumper. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm not sure if I was the first, but I've, I'm, I'm definitely the one who uses the hashtag twump and hashtag twumping uh, most, I think. Well, no, it's natural to me anyway, because the necessarium is my office. Oh, what a fantastic place to have your office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got it all set up in there, shelves. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got, got a, a have you got, still, yeah. Have you got a bench and you know, like or, or a desk or Well it's it's called it's called a laundry basket, but yes. Ah excellent. <laughs> excellent. Multiple uses. Now, that, uh, whilst actually... we're in the smallest room, um <laughs> gentlemen, are you aware of the and I'm not affiliated to this company at all, the squatty potty? Uh 
No. <laughs> ah, I have one um, on its way. I ordered one yesterday. Uh, the Squatty Potty is a device... Uh, this is quite genuine, which fits around the pedestal basin of the uh, throne, uh, which you can then move forward and you put your feet on it and it lifts your, le- your knees up, puts your body and your legs at a 35 degree angle, which is the best angle for twumping. Really? It's been, it's been scientifically worked out. If your legs are at 35 degrees to your body, uh, then twumping becomes um, sheer bliss, apparently. Now, there's an idea for the lazy boy. You can make it into a kind of commode. Oh. You wouldn't... You could You could watch the TV, you could order a pizza, you could do everything. You wouldn't need to leave. No. <laughs> as long as it had a flush. Well, that's true. Not like these, uh, the porter potties that we used to have on the boat, because if you had Ooh. a lazy boy that filled up like that, you wouldn't want to be around it for long. <laughs> Dear Lord, no. <laughs> uh, have, you, have you spent t- a lot of time on on boats, have you? Uh, yeah, I, I practically because how most of your childhood was on boats. I grew up on one pretty much. Like <laughs> every summer, we used to go on holiday on my dad's boat. So um, he used to have a fiberglass cruiser um, until uh, I think it was '94, um, and then after that, we had a, a narrow boat for um, the best part of uh, 15 years. And um, yeah, it was fantastic. The cruiser was about 20. Uh, was the cruiser 22, something like that, and yeah. the narrow boat was 27 foot. So they were only small, but um, yeah, I used to love holidays on the canal. Um, and, the, and the thing is, your dad used to take it so seriously. I mean, I, oh, I yeah, remember I had to take a test to, to take the boat on my own with my cousin. I had to pass a test. I remember the first time I went out on the cruiser, and your dad had the captain hat on, and yeah. you know he was saluting everybody as they went past, and and. <laughs> Oh, kept call it, call, one for him since kept calling me a landlubber and stuff. It says damn seagulls and it's got some uh, on the top of it. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I nearly bought a narrowboat to live on uh, after oh, really? I left the RAF. Yeah, it was it was that or all the the, bung, all the house we're in now. And we, we ended up going for the house because it was just more practical. Um, yeah, definitely. It's great for holidays, I think, the canal yeah. boats, but I, would, I don't think I would want to live on one. It's just great to get away and be literally um, in the middle of nowhere, no mm. light pollution, looking up at the sky on a clear night. Yeah. Um, it is something myself and Dee my wife, want to do once, you know, once the kids have left home and, you know, we've, we haven't got as many ties, we, 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 we are genuinely going to, you know, we're going to get a narrow boat, we're going to live on it and, you know, become... Uh, water gypsies. Well, on, on, down oh, the, down the broads, or um... well, uh, round the Grand Union oh, initially. Right. Oh, fantastic! You're going to travel the system effectively, like the Grand yeah. Union, the Oxford yeah. Chicken House. That's uh, right. Possibly the Thames or not? Uh, well, there's different rules and regs for the Thames, and a different license required. Yeah. So, well, you, you know, um, Timothy Spall. Yes, he has a narrow boat, but it's been modified to go on the sea. Oh, right, because there was that narrowboat that did the crossing. Is that the same that's one? That's the one, yeah, yeah. Oh. And he's, he's normally, uh, he spends most of his time down in Poole, in, in Dorset, and we actually saw him down there when, when we were down there. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, it's a, uh, a beast of a, of, a, of a boat, actually. Well, yeah. it must be, really, to, to cope with yeah. sea conditions. I'm sure there's a keel on that thing, there must be. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, oh. it's, it it does appeal to me a little bit actually. Because mm. um, he can stay anywhere on the system. There's there's it's over two thousand miles of system open, mm. and. The ba- the regs basically say that as long as you don't stay beyond fourteen days That's in exactly. in one place, you can stay anywhere you want. Adrian, am I right in thinking that um, you, you know the, the Tesco's on Tring Road? Yeah, have they got more in points behind there? Uh, there is, yeah, it's just above yeah. the Park Street. Tesco's lot. bloody think of everything, don't they? <laughs> They've done that for years because there's loads of. You'll find that there is actually quite a lot of. Um, it might not just be Tesco's, but the ones I happen to have stopped at, there is Tesco's right next to the canal. Like there's one at Leighton Buzzard as well. Mm. They don't. And that it. used to have moorings right next to the Tesco's, but it makes sense. Yeah, of course it because does. Because everyone on the canal needs to do shopping. That's right, and and obviously, um, when the narrowboats have, uh, you know, when when the horses have have done their time on the towpath, obviously they That's need it. somewhere to go. It's quick march. There's Tesco's. Yeah. <laughs> And so more in points, Tesco's and pubs. That's basically yeah, it. Yeah, basically it. But that yeah. was so that you could feed your horse with Guinness, and then when it comes to the end of their time, you can get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd, you'd need some food at... <laughs> you give them food at the pub, they become food at Tesco's. That's how it works. <laughs> I, w- I was going to ask if any of you, if either of you gentlemen, actually eaten horse, um, but um, not, <laughs> I, I not, think we all have at some point. Not knowingly, yeah, not, without, not knowing about it, I have. No, not knowing. I've, I've, I've eaten zebra. Yeah. Oh, what, what, zebra is very close to a horse. So. Yeah, and um, if you've eaten chorizo, you've probably eaten donkeys. See, the thing is, on on the European mainland, they're all scratching their heads, wondering what we're going on, and why we're all worried because. I mean, it's it's not, there's a. I, I, I try and I, I was trying to download it, but I couldn't get out of it. On the audio boo uh, for the local radio station Jack FM, they've got a, a news thing that they've put on there about a, there's a restaurant in uh, Bishop Stortford that is openly um, selling horse burgers. Um, you know, through the proper chain, not. Uh, mm, mm. not the dodgy type yeah um, but um, people are now interested to f- taste what it should what it should taste like rather than what it shouldn't taste like <laughs> do you think this has been a big marketing ploy I think it could be I mean I don't know if you heard the story about the, some German MP um, if you can hear that that wasn't me that's somebody on a motorbike <laughs> <laughs> did wonder <laughs> Um, yeah, some German MP said yesterday that um, this food should not be necessarily wasted. Uh, it should go to the poor people. Oh. And I'm thinking, that sounds remarkably like let them eat cake. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> it's quite Orwellian as well. I think, well, why would you feed this to the poor people? They need something to boost them up. This stuff has got probably chemicals well you know uh, drugs in it um painkillers and whatnot in it yeah the reason we're getting rid of it it's not fit for human consumption well i think that was that well that was one of the big things wasn't it because that all these all this horse meat was supposed to be pumped full of these drugs and stuff and antibiotics and what have you i mean i've got not a problem with eating horse at all uh my niece however is uh very big on horses and she's 
mm. pulling her hair out over it. But um, uh, as far as she's, she's concerned, horses are made for riding, and that's it. Yes. Um, but I mean, as my my other half said to me the other day, she said, "If I was hungry enough, I'd eat you." <laughs> Well, this is why, you know, this is why you have to prepare. <laughs> this is why you have to get storable foods, because when, when the time comes... <laughs> um, just don't go to uh, the main place you might normally go to stock up on household furniture, because uh, I'm just reading here that IKEA uh, has found horse meat in its meatballs, meat apparently. <laughs> Horsey balls <laughs> in IKEA. <laughs> in IKEA, <laughs> in the Czech Republic... <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Yeah, I mean, if you check any meat-based products apart from pure meat, well, I was reading what how much of a, a, a sausage has to be actually meat. Oh, it's, 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 it's like 64%. And if yeah. it's an economy one, it's only 40-something percent. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this sliding scale of percentage of meat, depending <laughs> on whether it's a good economy or not. Or premium, or... If you can oh. afford it, you can have more meat. Yes. <laughs> Basically. We can't guarantee what meat, but you can have some more. <laughs> it, it's meat. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> and, and, and mechanically reclaimed meat as well. That That's the sort of pink mush that goes into making up, like, dippers and things, isn't it, apparently? Mm. Yeah. But... I mean, uh, how, how a how do they mechanically reclaim it, and b which bits do they have to use machines on to get it off out of the the <laughs> animal? Uh, as I always call, when we're, when we're talking about um, offally type products, it's uh, what we refer to as lips and. <laughs> but um... yes, yes. <laughs> That just always makes me think of Adrian Mole from what we were talking about quite a long time ago, but with his awfully good. Yeah, uh, in in the uh, Adrian Mole books, when he uh, uh, got a little bit older, he went into um, satellite television as a celebrity chef um, with meals made from offal called Offally Good. Dear. I I didn't read any of those books sort of beyond the the sort of you know like the first diary well, the, thing the latest but... one he is now 40 oh uh, right so uh, he's kept going all this time yeah he's the latest one is called adrian mole the prostrate years um <laughs> uh there was also one called adrian mole adrian mole and the weapons of mass destruction which was a really good one all oh, right um, well i'm going to have to look these up then get them on my um my fruit pad so that i can <laughs> i can read them your lemon pad oh. yes 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 is it a Keith Lemon pad, is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bank tidying. from Keith Lemon phones to, to Keith Lemon pads. <laughs> He's bang tidy. <laughs> bang tidy. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's oh, I think there's eight in the series altogether, Alan. Right. Oh, right, okay. So, um, yeah, it's... And um, there's still room for, for some more, because we've mm. had... Since the last one, we've had, uh, you know, Cameron coming in and... Um, all, all sorts of bits and pieces happening I mean oh. the the weapons of mass destruction the, the best part of the story is that Adrian has um, <laughs> he's booked a holiday to Cyprus but is a bit worried that it may be uh, a bit dangerous to travel over to that side of the country uh, world because of being how close it is to um, <laughs> Iraq and such oh. like <laughs> and um, he's, he's actually uh, he's 
uh, travel agent has refused to refund him unless he can actually prove that they have weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. <laughs> so he's actually written to Tony Blair saying, please, could you clarify this for me? Because my travel agent will not refund me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Garbage Pod, where your input is our output. I'd like to end this show with a piece of audio about a truly amazing woman. My name is Jessica Cox, and I live in Tucson, Arizona. I'm a motivational speaker. I've traveled to 17 different countries. My situation of being born without arms requires a lot of creativity. I would see all the kids around me climbing up the monkey bars or, or climbing up the slide, and for me, I felt somewhat frustrated because... I was prevented from that. I wanted to run up and climb up that slide just like all the other kids. Sometimes I would envision flying over the playground and being Superwoman. I realized um, that I needed to adapt to the way everyone else did things. And it wasn't about catering to my needs or my special situation, but it was more about me adapting and being creative and coming up with ways of using my feet or doing using other methods to become independent. I've heard the saying a number of times that you know life is 10% what happens to you, 90% of how you respond to it. So that's why I fell in love with psychology. Psychology fascinated me in that sense that it really did credit a lot to how we thought. It was a three-year process to become a pilot. I had to find a specific airplane, and it has two less controls than most standard airplanes. And so, therefore, I can actually keep my right foot on the yoke, my left foot on the throttle. The most incredible, most empowering experience I've ever had. It's that feeling of being free and being, you know, in the sky and, and just that incredible feeling of being up there. What I enjoy is, is not really knowing where I'm going to be next. In the next four months, I'm going to be in four different countries. And I remember promising myself I would never again wear those fake, heavy, prosthetic arms. Choose our flight. We will go out to the different areas of Ethiopia, visit with the families of children with disabilities, and help them overcome their own difference as well and bring that confidence that I had to develop over the years and help share that with them. The achievement that I am most proud of, I think, is uh, maturing from someone who was angry and, and upset about being differently able to being someone who was different uh, to now being able to celebrate that and use it as an opportunity to give hope and inspiration to other people. That was uh, Jessica Cox, who has no arms, and basically she does everything with her feet. And as we can tell by the clip, she's just recently learned how to fly a plane. Um, amazing. She is a truly amazing woman. Um, and as she said, she's, she's a motivational speaker as well. I'll put a link up to um, the YouTube video that that audio was taken from. 
uh, in the show notes so that you can see how remarkable Jessica actually is. Also on YouTube, you will see some of her talks that she has given. Yes, yeah, she really is motivational. He's the lovely chappy from Letchworth Garden City. Don't encourage him. This is Mark Taylor. That wimp, I taught him everything he knows. So now we've come to the end of the show. Did you enjoy your time on board the Garbage Pod, Alan? I certainly did. Thank you for letting me come aboard. It's a pleasure to have you, sir, and you're welcome to come on board again. I look forward to docking. (laughs) And as always, it's a pleasure to have the Bullhawk on board as well. Thank you very much, sir, and uh, great to uh, meet you and uh, spend some quality time with you, Alan, and I hope you've enjoyed yourself, sir. Most definitely, it's been a pleasure to meet you, thank you. For links to items mentioned in this or any other episode, visit the show's page at www.thegarbagepod.weebly.com Whilst you're there, why not have a look around the website where you can find out a little bit more about us, read the blog and visit the video vault. If you want to keep up to date with what's going on in the podosphere you can follow us on twitter and facebook by clicking on the social media buttons at the top right hand corner of the website you can also subscribe to us on itunes the rss feed and now on youtube there also let us know what you think of the show send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com that would be fantastic if you could well that only leaves us to say it's good night from me and it's good night from him don't forget If you like what you hear, spread the word. Take care one and all, and I'll speak to you again soon. The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production. I had a gerbil for that specific purpose.